Welcome to Deadly Discussions, a podcast on social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison. Before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional landowners on the land who record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. So my guest today is Paul, Paul Hughes, um, who specializes in a few different things, but notably being part of a successful um, software company that works in the HR space, and correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, and now working at uh, Culture Amp, doing great things there. Um, but that's more than what Paul's really up to, and we like to hear about his uh, Iron Man adventure and a few of the stories that he um, has from working in corporate uh, Australia and some of the challenges he's faced um, trying to teach people to do the right thing um in the sometimes um not so good situation so welcome to the show paul yeah thank you isaac it's a pleasure to be here man now oh, that's excellent man. i'm so glad that you you came on i know we met only recently um a cup a month ago i think it is at an event that i was invited to to speak at and then since then we've uh stayed in touch and and built a bit of a a friendship yeah, it's uh, it's been been awesome over a pretty short period of time, but it's been uh, yeah, it's been great, man. Yeah, it's excellent. So, do you want to start off with a little bit of um, sort of how you got up to working, you know, in Melbourne um, this today, and what you've done over the last uh, couple of years in sort of your your business or your upbringing as well? You could even tie that into. Yeah, for sure, and you know, I uh, I've grown up in Australia most of my life. I, I was born yep. in Glasgow. Scotland, and uh, was six years old when we came to Australia, so pretty much grown up here. And yep. I was always into kind of uh, technology and computing and you know, maths and stuff at school, um, always that way oriented. So I, I had this real passion to want to get into um, doing computer programming and just spending my career um, building software, and that, that was kind of like a really uh, exciting thing for me. And uh, yep. it was interesting because I, so I did all the kind of usual stuff with that. I studied computer science. I got yep. into a company uh, programming. And one of the things I explicitly said back in those early days was, I never want to get into management or leadership. Yeah. Any description. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I was kind of adamant about that. I was like, mark my words, you, you won't find me doing that. Yeah. And yeah, like about three years in, I suddenly find myself reluctantly in this leadership <laughs> role, um, <laughs> like leading Project and yes. it was that was actually a really tough period for me because we were a startup company yep. and yep. there was a you know that we'd have ups and downs and it, and it felt like the whole weight and success of the company was resting on my team and I yeah, okay. the, the next version of the software so yeah I, I went through those first year or a couple of years of leadership a lot of stress a lot of pressure yeah, wow. um, I you know, I was waking up every night just. Uh, very anxious about how to how to deal with things, and yeah. I put on a brave face for my team, but it really took its toll, and I I, I lost my health yeah, um, wow. in a pretty big way. Yep. Always having been someone who was into kind of physical stuff as well, like I did karate and a bunch of things as a, yep. as a kid, but I totally lost my health yep. and vitality yep. for a couple of years, and had this yeah, wow. uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, and yep. uh, yeah, it was that, that was a real battle, and I. I still kind of kept pushing, trying to find my way through it, but I yeah, okay. got to the point where I had to really pull back a little bit, and and I'd also lost a lot of confidence in my in my leadership and various things at that time. So yeah, I thought it was yeah, like wow. uh, in a tough place, thinking, "What am I? What's my next sort of thing?" And, and, and I didn't want to do engineering or leadership anymore. Yeah, and I sort of stepped to the side for a bit. 
But then, yeah, a whole bunch of things started happening. You know, yeah, I, uh, well, I'll pause you before we go any further, Paul, and let's take it back to, so where did you, um, so where was your schooling, your high schooling? So high school was uh, in uh, Frankston, a school called John Paul College. Yeah. So down the sort of, uh, in the bay there in uh, Yeah, I just moved from Northern. Seaford, so I'm very familiar with Frankston. There you go. Yeah, and then so, so and then yeah, off to university. And university, uh, Monash in Clayton. Yeah. Okay. And so, when you you enrolled at Monash, what, did you have any idea what you were actually um, going to do, or it sort of just came about, nat, you know, organically? Because I'm thinking about then computer computer science. What years would it, would this been in? Yeah. So I, you know, it was '93 yep. when I did my first year of uni, and I actually when I was at high school, I did this um, this test that you, you answered all these multiple choice questions and yep. the test was meant to tell you what the best career for you would be. Yeah, and really. So I did this test yep. and it said uh, chemical engineer. Yeah, wow. And so I was almost going to follow that path and um, I went to this weekend at Monash while I was still at high school yep. and I, I was on the chemical engineering track for the whole weekend Yeah, wow. and I spent the entire time wishing I was over on the computer science one with all the people that were programming and all this kind yeah, of stuff. And wow. I came back for that weekend and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you, I was passionate about the computing and so I was like, you know, I'm going to go into that. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And so that's that's what you signed up for when you finished um, that's, Yeah, that's school. what I signed up for. Yeah, excellent. And so what sort of the practical examples of what you'll be doing for your prax and what sort of things you'd be studying back in uh, the early 90s and around computer science? Yeah, a whole mixture of things, like um, some of the AI kind of stuff was in its early stages, so we'd yep. be doing projects on that. Um, like 3D computer graphics was a big passion of mine, and it yeah. was just around the time when um, you know, Pixar was starting to Yeah, do, I was about to say um, that Toy Story, with, yeah. Yeah, and so I was, yeah, I was like writing one project, I wrote like a renderer, which is, you know, takes some kind of definition of uh, scenes and turns it into the actual rendered graphics. And, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, and I was almost actually thinking of heading down that path, or maybe even yep. computer gaming was another thing that was interesting at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, when I did, I finished my my honours year and uh, did my final presentation. Yeah. And in the audience, there was a, a guy named Graham that was sitting there, who yep. was the VP of engineering from a local um, software company. Yeah. And um, he came up and approached me and said, "Do you want to have a, a chat?" and um, and I had this, uh, I had kind of like two job offers that were given to me yep. straight out of uni. One was for a game company building PlayStation games. Yep. And the other was to come as a software developer to this company called Open Software Associates. Yep. And it was really interesting because part of me always loved computer games and it, it may have seemed like a no-brainer to get on that path. Yeah, of course. But yeah. I had this pull towards the other one and, and I couldn't really describe it. Like I couldn't explain why I was getting pulled there, but every yeah, time I yeah. wrestled with it, I'd always end up saying, no, that's the path, and um, and I took that job, and and we'll talk, you know, a bit more about my journey. But you know, yeah, I, yeah. I that set in motion a really long and interesting path in that in that company. And when I look back, I see that decision is like uh, I'm really glad I made the decision that I did. Yeah, well, wow. to to so much. Yeah, yeah, I can I can definitely sympathize and um, understand you know, there's many times in my life you know, actually ended up in renewables was um, decision to stay on the tools at my trade as a as a glazier which was a set fixed income and there was certainty there and progression in a good company like O'Brien um, yep. or be the fourth employee to a startup and um, and I'm so grateful that I took that 
leap of faith back then. And it was the same yeah, yeah. thing. It was a pull. It was a, a leading where you just like everything else on the surface says to do A, but for some reason that you can't uh, quantify, it says to do B. And uh, many people that I meet who are, um, you know, gone on to be successful in their lives have all, all talked about this unquantifiable gut feeling or, um, you know, leading that you just like. You know what? I I know where to go. So, now that's excellent, mate. Yes. So then you go. So you say yes to this job. That's right. Yep. And then you and you sign up, and then what happens then? Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, company. This company had been the Australian Software Development Group for HP. Yeah, and, wow. Uh, we're building some really um, interesting things. We're, yep. uh, we're building, for those in the tech industry, we know they were building like a an actual programming language and a whole ecosystem that wow. at the time was like yep. a competitor to Java. So it was really yep. deep computing kind of stuff. Yeah. And that HP at the time shut down a whole bunch of their software labs around the world. Yep. So this group of people in, in the early 90s found themselves out of out of work. Yeah. And they were they were at the pub after that all happened and one of the engineers said, you know, we could keep going and and do something with with this uh, this thing we've been working on yep. and kind of rally the, the group of people. And so that those those employees about maybe 15 or so of them yeah. essentially started their own company and they, you know, they they got HP sold them the intellectual property for one dollar in a kind of nominal transaction, and HP provided them um, some office space and some hardware really? things. And so this kind yeah. of startup formed that was that was previously part of an existing company, and yeah. um, and that had been going for a number of years. So when I joined, yeah. it had actually just got to the point where the company was back to paying full salaries to people because there was yeah. a whole bunch of in those early stages when it was a real struggle. And yeah, uh, of but it really did have this family feel because um, it, it really was people who put their heart and soul into this, this thing yeah. they believed in yeah. and there was an openness and a transparency and, and a, we're all in this together that yeah. was um, was really great. That's amazing what you said about the $1 I, the IP nominal sent from HP. Uh, why was it $1? Is there something they're like, look, it's not going to work and this whole thing you've been working on isn't, you know, got a future so yeah, sure, you can have it for one dollar. Like, what was sort of the reasoning behind that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, and, and you know, not being there at the time, I probably don't really know. But the, yeah. the, the sense I got from it was, um, while HP needed to make this decision, like yeah. worldwide, like the, I think the local, um, the local leadership really saw a lot of promise in these people and the stuff yeah, they were okay. doing. So they yeah. were doing whatever they could do to help them. So it was yeah, kind of cool. like, well, we'll sell you the IP, and we're only going to charge you a dollar for it, and yeah. we'll help you. That's, we'll still invest fantastic. in Australian R&D yep. and all that kind of stuff, even though we formally can't do it ourselves. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. Yeah, it was yeah. a real kind of goodwill-based thing, I think. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I love that hearing that sort of stuff because you do, you know, you wish, you tr- properly wish people the best. And then when you sow those good things, I find often in time um, they come back to you. And it might not be overnight and it not be a transactional thing straight away, but it comes yeah. back around, you know, those sort of relationships. See it time and time again so you're joining they're paying salaries well that's a good thing um things are starting to take off and so what happens uh, from there what happens with the growth what happens with the taking on the bigger projects the biting off more than you can choose it's that's sort of the next step in the process for this company or what happens there yeah so uh, you know i was uh working as a developer for those first three years and um and really uh enjoying that and doing some really some good things and yeah, we were we're continuing to grow as a company. We yeah. were 
we went from being employee-owned effectively to taking on venture capital funding in yep. Australia, yep. and then would would go on to take uh, to flip up to be uh, a US-based company, which yep. is happening. Um, Right, maybe around the time when I was getting into that that leadership sort of yeah. Role. Okay, so, let's let's go to so the employees of majority owners and operators and and now they're wanting to scale up. Is that right? So they're looking at venture yeah. capitalists. Um, are you yep. around at this time when this is happening? So yeah, I was around at that time. Yeah. So what was the what was the shift or what was the you know the on the ground feeling with people? They're like, oh, venture capitalists are coming in. You know, it won't be the same. And because we all know how much people love change, um, you know, what was sort of the on the on the ground sort of feelings? You know, it was actually um, it wasn't really a big um, topic on the ground. Yeah. Okay. When I, when I back, you know, we were. That's good. We all kind of believed in what we were doing. It yep. was, we were doing um, really interesting work. It was, if anything, it was kind of exciting that the company was growing and there were yep. people that were willing to invest in it. Yeah. And the company was still having um, a, a kind of open, all hands meeting um, every. I think it was every quarter. Maybe it was even every month. Where yeah, okay. we'd go top to bottom on the, the finances and everything about what's happening in the company, and the senior leaders would be. At, the, at those times, sharing the decisions they were thinking of making yep. um, with everyone, so yeah, you could wow. sort of still felt like um, it was part of this family um, feel, and it was just that next step. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And did that remain when the VCs come on these open books? You know, I I know for my instance, we had more open book and very transparent. But now, as we grew and had different um, partners come on board, things became a little bit more. Um, what's the word? Uh, discreet around you know direction and planning and IP. Um, so was there like a, a noticeable change when the the VCs came in, or there wasn't there wasn't a great deal of change at that time. I think the, yep. the CEO and the leadership team were still very committed to um, the the values and the, and the the footing they had started this company on. Yeah, like they and talking to some of them much later about those early days, they they kind of. They had this vision of like, what would it be like if a company really did everything from this foundation of goodwill and tried to do things the yeah. right way, yeah. and you know was was above board and everything, and, and paid everything on time and was very yeah. transparent. They, so they really wanted to sort of um, see how they could hold to, to things that were important to them yeah, through so of, good. Um, change and growth. So yeah, so a lot of that was still kind of um, was there, and um, I think as as the company grew very significantly, and then we ev- we eventually got acquired much further down the track. Like there's different changes that happen at different levels of scale, but yeah. um, certainly in those, those those first stages like that, it, it, it felt very it felt very similar to me um, as, as a and, and I'm a fresh you know engineer just coming out of university. Yeah, it's the first time I've been uh, working anywhere, so you know I, I also didn't have a lot. To uh, compare and contrast, but yeah, 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 that's a good point because I I find a lot of people uh, interns, people coming out fresh, um, a lot of the first couple of years is going with the flow. You know, um, there's very little to compare with um, going forward and the direction you want to take. So, you know, we we encourage a lot of interns to come and join us because then there's a different taste with it being a social enterprise, um, indigenous um, business focus on returns for indigenous people. 
whether that's intellectual, yeah. whether that's assets. And then they'll go and work at a tier one as well. And then some of them are going, hey, you know what? And they've come up to me and said, I think I'm built for more of a, um, a non-for-profit. I think I'm built for more of a social enterprise. Um, and well. then fully understanding that, yeah, there might be sacrifices like, you know, less of a, a pay offering, less, um, uh, you know, perks that you would have with a not-for-profit organization. But then there's that feeling of every dollar I'm, you know, involved with or touching is having some sort of give back in a, a better future. Not saying a lot of the other guys don't do that. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting having people to sort of experience different Setting so, but yeah, it's very interesting what you're saying, which ties into what happens next, which is you've um had to become a leader and deal with people, unpredictable yeah. people. You have to go from the predictable software stuff to unpredictable uh persons. Totally, and, <laughs> and it's, it's it's it was an interesting transition for me. You know, like uh, there was firstly I had to be conscious about um not trying to solve everything myself or having the technical yep. answer and yep. giving people the room to own and uh, and and drive things themselves. Yep. Um, so that was like, I had to step back from that. Um, I, I was really, I'm really grateful that this was the first company I kind of came into and that employee-owned sort of family feel because yep. that, that felt right to me and I, I kind of um, really implicitly... Um, continued that sort of vibe, like I was. Yeah. That, that the whole just sort of like making sure as a group we were kind of um, all hanging in there together and chatting openly about things that we were struggling with and and, uh, and that whole kind of dynamic. That when I look back now was really very forming of, of me in my in my current leadership. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think the. The, the things I found the greatest challenge were the expectations or need from the business and what we needed to deliver, and then the reality of what was, um, you know, possible with the yeah. team. And and sometimes those things wouldn't be lined up. And 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 how do we how do yeah. we figure out where to focus and um, how do we try and achieve these end outcomes? And and so I kind of was in that sort of place where I, I felt for a long period of time under a lot of pressure, I was yep. trying to yep. yeah, meet the needs of the business and meet the needs of my team. And I was sort of getting crushed in the, in the middle internally, not really sharing that with anyone, but yeah. really struggling with what happens if this fails? What if I, what if I don't do the right thing? I had this real sense of duty yep. and, yep. and, uh, and I was worried about failing in that duty, which, which is the, the, the core of where that kind of stress came from. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, and if you came from sort of your software, experience where you can solve a problem um you know giving you spend enough time on it um but now you've got you've got the problem to solve but then you've got to rein in and work with all different personalities characters and cultural upbringings to accomplish this problem together um you yeah. so you found like this was you know really difficult because it's unpredictable you've got external pressure and, and then you have to sort of communicate to your team without having that stress being passed down is that sort of where it sort of came to yeah i think i think so i think it was a combination of all those different kind of factors and um and then i was still you know there was still a bunch of uh i would get involved and help guide on the, the yep. technical side and the, the thing that came the most naturally to me was the connection with with um everyone yeah. in the team in and just uh relating to them as with who they were as a person and their yep. different kind of their style and working through a bunch of things. Like I kind of actually found 
some of that was like um, uh, I just I would just I just found ways to connect with people, and yeah. that part of it seemed kind of natural. But like trying to um, manage the, the expectations between uh, you know, what the business wanted and what we could do, and the different paths people wanted to go down. I think yeah. it was that that was for me the biggest uh, the biggest struggle. Yeah, and it's you know I've had the same thing. I've got very talented staff, and I know they've got future ambitions. Um, but it's like, hey, we've got a task at hand, and so it's like trying to balance those things together um, and get the buy-in from the group. But I nat- I naturally connect with um, you know my team members, yeah, very easily, and most people I connect with very easily. Yep. Um, but then yep. it's hard to take. Okay, here's a deadline, and I need your commitment. And I think um, because I'm I'm a uh, you know, lead from the front, it can be, yeah, difficult because I don't want to be that taskmaster that I've had previous, you know, bosses because it's not a nice experience. So um, what happens now, Paul? So the stress comes, you, know, we sh- you opened up a little bit at the start, so the stress sort of comes in and what your health starts deteriorating, is it? Yeah, I was, um, I mean, there were periods where I was certainly working a lot of hours to get some yeah. um, projects done and so I was, I was certainly pushing from that Angle. Um, I was as the stakes seemed to get higher with the responsibilities and things we were doing. The uh, the the pressure on me kind of felt like it was it was greater and greater. And um, you know we had we had some projects that were really successful. We had one that I remember that was particularly um, not successful. Like and and in hindsight, when I look back, we still got through it and we did some things. But at the time, it really felt like it was. a big kind of failure, and I, I took yeah. a lot of that on my my shoulders. Like I really yeah, feel wow. like I was letting down yeah. um, my boss and the company and, and the team, and so I was kind of carrying that around, and um, yeah, sort of getting into this mode where the the weekends were a reprieve from this yeah. kind of really tough experience during the week. So Friday night was glorious because it's like, wow, I get to escape from yeah. here and then it was just a Sunday and then the ominous kind of like uh, this, this dark shadow just starts comes over Sunday night. <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so there's, there's been Monday times morning. like that. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. So yeah, so I was in, I was getting into that. That was becoming more of the normal uh, yeah, okay. kind of like that sort of cadence and then uh, I, I did go away on a little holiday to Fort Douglas, actually, yeah. um, and for, it was about a week, week and a half. My my wife and I were up there, and yeah. just as I was returning from that, about to board the plane, yeah. um, I really had this this um, significant kind of thing happen with my my system. It felt like I was going to collapse or something. Like wow. it was this real sort of, uh, um, I was on the verge of consciousness, and, yeah, and wow. I just did not feel right, and I was I was worried about boarding the plane, because I thought, is it taking me to fly when I'm feeling like yeah, this? Yeah, wow. Eventually, I, I did get on the plane and kind of come back, and then, uh, and I was really fatigued and really kind of um, struggling for a bit, so I, I took some days off, and then yeah. um, started getting back to work, but I still wasn't really getting over this, this thing, and then, you know, like, yeah. days turned into weeks, and then weeks turned into months, and I, and it was like, something's, this is just not right there's, and yeah. uh you know i get a whole bunch of different tests done and things and there was something picked up that maybe there was a, a post-viral sort of uh thing yeah, happening wow. in, in my blood test but yeah nothing definitive and 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 really after weighing everything up the the doctor said that, well it's, it's really some kind of just chronic fatigue uh wow. thing there was no real definition of, of, of a, an actual 
specific yep. thing that could be yep. things I looked at. And 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 I look, you know, when I look back as well, I I, I, I my sense of what was happening was yep. a combination of the the stress and the burnout and the pressure was just grinding yeah, me wow. to to the ground yep. and. Uh, and the combination of that and and whatever had yeah. like, impacted my system there, and it just really left me in this in this state where I I had no vitality, and yep. I I would you know I would sleep I'd still be able to sleep, but I'd wake up in the morning just as if fatigued. I was a, a battery yeah. that couldn't get its charge. Yeah. I was just constantly drained. Yeah, wow. And um, yeah. and so, what was the solution there, Paul? So I mean, for a long period of time, I just continued to try and persist. Yeah. Uh, for and so I would show up to work and I would try and be there for my team yep. while grappling with my anxiety and this con- condition. And I would sometimes, like I remember going out at lunchtime down to a park and yep. um, trying to sleep on on like a bench for half an hour and then coming wow. back to work to see if I could muster up some energy. So I was wow. like, I was at the, the end of um, everything end I had. I was trying yep. to like hang in there, and um, and it was going on for like a, a significant period, or like maybe it's like more yeah, than wow. a year or so, of yep. like trying to persist through and up and down. And then I eventually to my boss, like, you know, I'm not well, and I need to, I need to pull back yeah. a bit somehow. Yeah. And I, you know, I took some time off at that point, maybe about six weeks of time, where yep. I just, you know, started with the first week of pretty much just sleeping and on the couch and and not doing anything. And yep. then I, I started going, right, I'm gonna. I'm going to try and commit to doing everything I can possibly do yep. on my physical health side of things to yep. give the best chance of recovery. So I'd set myself these little goals of like, yep. I'm going to walk for a minute tomorrow because I'd, I'd walk. I'd, like I would try and like walk or jog and up and get dizzy and be full yep. and yep. down. So I'd be like, I'm going to walk for a minute, and then I'm going to walk for like five minutes, and I'm going to. Like, so I was building up these tiny little yeah, milestones, yeah. Yep. and then I. I read about health and nutrition, and um, and tried to really do everything to look after my body. And I yeah. sort of switched into a different role at work out of the engineering stuff for a while. And um, over yeah. a period of time, maybe it was over a period of six months, my physical vitality started to come back. Yeah, that's and great. Yeah, there was no one day when it just magically yeah. restored, but I, but it was slow, slowly but surely, I was getting back to realizing, wow, there's three yeah, D wow. color in life, and yeah. and. Uh, and and that was a real gift, you know. Yeah. Just like when you sometimes you really don't know because you just haven't had that for so long until it's gone. Yeah. And getting life back yep. was this um, real start of an awakening for me. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was it was pretty amazing, yeah. like what it led to. And when I look back, I kind of even though it was such a hard period, yeah, I also hold some gratitude for what it brought me to. Yeah. So it was yeah, it was just a really interesting period. That's amazing. And we can there's probably another whole thirty minutes in other aspects of how you've, you know, brought that into the Iron Man thing and I'll share it on the post so you can um obviously people can go have a look at that story as well. So that's tied into pretty much what you're doing now, all those learnings. Do you want to share a bit of what you're you're doing now and how that's all the, the lessons you've learned and then what, you know, the plan looks like in the future? Yeah, so I I then grew over a long period of time in my leadership, and I I got the opportunity to be the yep. um, the engineering leader for that um, that software company, yep. and had a team in Melbourne of about thirty or so people, and then we got acquired by 
a larger software company, and yep. and our team continued to thrive and grow to about 150 around the world. So I had this really yeah, wow. great opportunity to continue to grow in leadership. And what I found in that second part of my journey was that uh, I started to really find words for and appreciate the core of what it was that um, that made our team and our culture really special. And we built yep. up like a really special thing because over 20 years, a lot of people stayed around. And yeah, even wow. through these really hard projects at times, um, we all kind of like uh, stuck together and we were both succeeding yep. from a business perspective, but people were also thriving. And this really yeah, special wow. culture was, was growing. And and it really was, um, when I boiled it down, it was all about love. And, yep. um, and, and the real true unconditional love that sees another human being, no matter who they are, no matter what characteristic uh, about them, no matter where yep. they're from, no matter what they've done, but just sees them and beholds them as this person just worthy of just the fullness of, uh, of just recognition of the value they have just for being a person. And, and trying to like hold that and, uh, and look at people in that way in all situations. Yeah. And, and I found that leading from that foundation was really, really powerful. And uh, people would say that you know their their lives had been touched and yeah. um, and and they'd be made they, their lives had been made better by working in the team in the yeah. environment that was based in that. Yeah. And and I started to build this trust up as well that yeah. if I hold to this love in all things, yeah, uh, I, I can let go of the previous fears that I had and yeah, anxieties wow. and everything. So I started building up this confidence. I started getting to the point where I was sleeping beautifully through the night and, and yeah. enjoy a lot of the time. And even though when there's still a lot of pressure, being able to still um, exist in that and, and find a way through as a team. Yeah. And and I started then really having this, this this growing passion inside of me and this kind of call to say, yeah. I want to I want to spread that. I want to help um, encourage and teach leaders in, in other companies yeah. or, or in any yeah. kind of station of leadership um, what that foundation of yeah. unconditional love looks like. Yeah, and like. I love that and because you've you've done it. You've seen it work, you know, yeah. what you're saying. And I think that's the most important thing with any consultancy or any work we do. We get in, I want to see someone's been proven. And so having yourself come and share that and catching up with you outside, like having that in a real-time practice is inspiring. And that's something, you know, that I've, um, been aiming to do because yeah, the other options that people present that's not love is um, fear yeah. is top down is hate is malice is you know stabbing each other in the back to get ahead and get a promotion and um, or yeah. look good or take credit for something you haven't done and to hear you share on love is yeah absolutely amazing and we're going to have to get you back because we've already go over 30 minutes <laughs> yeah so um, thank you so much for coming on Paul uh, it's been a no great honor I'll share um your what you're doing on the side and also love to share that um the iron man story which ties a bit into that that health um um, stuff that you took on head first so thanks so much for coming on oh thank you for having me isaac it's been a real pleasure man no worries man look forward to getting you on in the future thanks mate talk to you a sec